Welcome to Make It Happen, a podcast for curious, big-hearted, purpose-driven creatives. I'm your host, Jen Carrington, and you're listening to the first episode of Season 2. Welcome to the show, guys. It is so great to be connecting with you through this podcast again today. Thank you so much for bearing with us while I recovered from some pretty major burnout last year and then spent some time just really revisioning and bringing this podcast back to life. I can't tell you how excited I am to be kickstarting season two today. Before we jump into today's episode, I just want to share some updates with you for what's to come for Make It Happen this season. You may have seen already that we have a brand new site for the podcast. You can visit makeithappenpodcast.com to browse all the episodes from season one and keep up to date with everything that's going to be happening this season. Season two is going to be a 10-week season and this time around there will be two episodes a week, a mini episode on Mondays and a full episode with an interview guest on Thursdays. The mini episodes are something I'm super excited to try out this season. I invited the Make It Happen community to send in burning questions and things you're struggling with right now in your creative journeys and I'm going to be tackling some of them each week in a short mini episode. If you have a creative question or a struggle you'd like me to explore you can fill out the contact form in the show notes and I would love to hear from you soon. Now onto the episode. I have to say this was one of my favourite episodes ever to record and I am so excited for you to listen to it today. I invited the wonderful Caroline from Made Vibrant to come on the show and share her journey and story so far and just have a really honest and awesome discussion together about creativity and personal growth and her approach to business. This one's a good one so I hope you enjoy. Let's jump in. Hi Caroline, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me Jen. It's awesome to have you here. Do you, I'm sure people listening know who you are, but do you want to kind of tell them who you are, what you do, kind of just a bit about your story and your journey so far? Sure, but feel free to cut me off if I go on for too long because, you know, I feel like most people, I have a very uh, twisty and and convoluted way that I got to where I am. But uh, so I have a business called Made Vibrant and it is a basically just an online learning community for what I call soulful creatives. So it's really these creative entrepreneurs that also have um, an interest in personal growth and creativity and really just about defining what your values are and running your business according to those values. And so I create things like e-courses and I'm, I'm launching a print shop this year. And really, it's just this place where I want to help people become the most vibrant version of who they are, whatever that means for them. So a little bit on my background, I graduated with a degree in advertising, actually. And so I got a a job at an advertising agency really early on. And it it did not take me long to, to figure out that the corporate world was really not enjoyable for me. I um, just, I wasn't happy there. It was like, especially the advertising agency world, it was very sort of, um, focused on the hustle. And it was like this weird thing where the currency was like how many hours you could stay at the office past when it closed and like how early you could come in and how hard you could work. And I didn't love that. I, I felt like that was, if I was going to have to live my life doing that every day, I thought I was just going to go crazy. So pretty early on, I was like, this is not for me and decided to quit my job six months in. And this is back in 2010, by the way. So it was like not that long after the recession and and there was still all this talk of like, this is a terrible job economy. Like jobs are so hard to get. And, and when I told like my parents or my friends, like, Oh, I'm going to quit my job. They were like, you're, this is a terrible idea. You're not going to be able to find work and all this stuff. And, and to me, it was just like, 
that like it, it was fine. I was going to figure out how to be unemployed if it meant that I didn't have to go to a place that I hated every day of my life. So in the meantime, I, I kind of transitioned to doing social media marketing for another agency thinking, okay, maybe this will be a little bit more creative. Um, I was working in media planning early on and sort of found out again, like the agency world really wasn't right for me. So after about a year and a half total being in the work, the quote unquote nine to five world, I was like, I'm done with this. I can't do it anymore. At the same time, my boyfriend was running this online marketing startup. Um, and he had this crazy idea. He was wearing t-shirts for a living. His name's Jason Zook and his business was called iWearYourShirt.com. And he was going to hire um, someone to run operations. And I literally, Jen, I, I pitched myself to him as like, hire me so that I didn't have to go into an office every day so I could work from home with him and I could run, you know, learn the online business world. And I was like, I I like gave him my whole spiel. I was like, this is why like, you know, you're not going to find someone more dedicated to this whole thing. And he was like, this is a terrible idea. And I was like, no, it's going to be great. And if, and if it sucks, like just fire me, it'll be fine. And I kind of went into it, this attitude of like, this is maybe going to work, maybe not, you know, could be the best decision of my life, could be the worst. And it turned out to be the best because I suddenly had all of this flexibility. I could like schedule my own day. I could figure out what I wanted to work on. And then I felt like I was making an impact with the things I was doing. So I was learning all these new skills, like putting together a media kit. So I was like learning how to design things and all of these things that I had never been able to expand when I was in this like one little role at a corporate job. So um, before I knew it, that was two years. And um, at the end of those two years, he had kind of decided to close up shop on that startup and start a new chapter. And he was like, are you going to, you know, try to go back and find an agency job? And I was like, heck no, I'm not going to do that. Um, And so at the time, I don't know what in my mind thought I could do this, but I was like, I'm just going to see if I could make it as a freelance designer. And keep in mind, I had never gone to school for design. I mean, I had always been a really creative kid and I love design and I had been teaching myself um, design programs on the side for the past two years. And I had this, this little personal blog where I would just like write, I love to write. So I would just write, you know, personal things about my life. And then I would hate my template. So I would like, you know, do new banners and I would like learn HTML and CSS to put them up. So that's really how I learned to design things. And pretty soon it was like friends and family asking, oh, can you do this invitation or, oh, can you do this? And I was just learning everything as I went. And so in January of 2014, I launched Made Vibrant as a design studio. So I would do web design or branding. I mean, I literally launched it and said like, pretty much I can do whatever you want me to do, which we can talk about was a kind of a terrible move because I think when you tell people that you can do it all, they don't know what to hire you for. <laughs> so, um, and, and that was a little bit hard to get started. I mean, it was really job started just trickling in and I hit this point about six months in where I was like, I just completely in debt and, and, you know, it wasn't taking off. And I really thought about going back to the corporate world um, and Jason, thankfully, my boyfriend was like, please don't, <laughs> this is, this is not what you want to do. Like if, 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 you know, owning your own business is something that you believe in. And I really did believe in made vibrant. I really did believe in this idea. Like I told you of helping people become their brightest selves and, and like kind of sharing my journey of what that meant with, along with people. And so he was like, if you really believe in this mission, then, you know, find a way. And so, I made some tweaks to the business and transitioned it away from a client services business into a products-based business, so e-courses and resources and things like that, and things really started to take off. So um, now I'm kind of starting my, what is this, my 
third year of business and things are going really well. And I feel like I've built a nice community of people that are um, just interested in bettering themselves and, and living out their creativity and expressing themselves and, and running profitable businesses at the same time. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I hope that wasn't too long. I told you that was, I could just go on for days. No, I love that. And like, I love people like when I ask like someone like, what's your story? Like I want them to give me the biggest, longest story yeah, possible. I know me too. Cause it's like, that's where all the fun nuggets are. It's like, why did you do that? Or, you know, what, what led you to that decision? So I agree. So I'm glad you feel the same way. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's also like, cause like I, maybe you can relate to this. Like when you have an online presence, kindly, the only thing you can use as a jumping off point is your own story. So I love through the podcast to make space for other people's stories. Cause it's only so much people can relate to my story. Cause it's so specific to me. Mm-hmm. And, and what I, what I loved when I discovered your brand, um, is that you put an emphasis on self-development, mm-hmm. creativity, even before we say the word profitability, and I love that because that has been something that's heavy, like profitability and making money is important. We've all got, you know, bills to pay. But the talking about the self-development and the creativity, it, it, it feels just as impactful as the profitability to me in terms of looking at my life now as a creative a year in, if that makes sense. Totally. And it's and it's the most like interesting thing. And this is what I tell like, you know, when I did have branding clients or, or now through my branding e-course, this is what I tell those students is like, The funny thing is, if you focus on the why, if you focus on your personal journey, what you bring to the table, the thing that makes you unique, that is actually the most powerful marketing engine for you and which will lead to profitability. You know, like if you create from an authentic place and you, and you really truly in your guts believe what you're talking about, then that's how you attract an audience that wants to stick around. And then that's how you attract people who want to pay you for your services. And so, you know, I always believe that by focusing on the personal growth part and sharing your story and, and expressing yourself authentically, then the profitability is what follows that pretty closely behind. We laughed before we started recording that we were the same person. And it's so funny because that is literally what everything I believe in is built on. And I and I think the funny thing that I've noticed is that it's slow marketing if we think of it in that way. Yeah. In that, you know, we're not trying to sell people on first. I don't want people to buy to me just because they think my site is pretty. Like I want people to invest in me because I've invested in them and because they believe in my story and my message and they kind of like my vibe. Yes. I want people to read my website and be like, me too, me too, me too, me too, me too, you know? Yeah, yeah. And if, and if people don't say that to themselves, then I make that pretty clear that that's okay and that they, you know, can find the next person because hopefully they find someone who really resonates with what they believe. Um, I went through this whole process early on where, so this was like a few months into Made Vibrant and I wanted, wanted a way to kind of define my audience and define who am I talking to. And so this term soulful creative that I use now, you know, kind of came into being. And there was a time period where I was really self-conscious about it. And I would like ask people and I'd be like, does this make sense to you? And I think one person I had encountered kind of was like, I don't really get it. And so that I took that to heart and was like, oh, like, you know, is this weird, like soulful? Does that make people feel uncomfortable because it's talking about deeper things? And I was a little bit self-conscious about it. And then I realized, wait a second, like if that's what I love to talk about, which I do, I love the deeper issues, the psychology, like diving into like what we believe and what we feel. And, And I'm just a highly sensitive person. And I love having conversations with people that, you know, aren't afraid to go there. If that's what I love and that's what I believe, then 
I need to define that because I need to make it apparent to people who don't feel that way that it's okay for them to move on. You know what I mean? If they come across my site online because they're not going to get value out of my content if they don't want to talk about life's deeper issues. They're going to get my Monday newsletter and be like, whoa, too many feelings. (laughs) I'm literally sitting here laughing because I've had exactly the same issue the past month in that. So I'm, I'm a content coach and a creative mentor, but basically I have found like my, I love having deep and meaningful conversations, especially with my clients. Like, like for me, you can talk about your strategy and your email list and we can do that. I can do that with my clients, but really the best stuff happens when we're just talking about their life and all these kind of awesome things. And that's the work. That's where I think the best work happens. But I was sitting there telling myself, you're not allowed to charge people for that. That's not allowed to be your gift. That's not allowed to be what you do with people. And then so I was battling with this like no one wants someone who's soulful or deep or and it's so funny because we do want that well some people want that yeah there definitely a lot of people want that and actually what I've found too is that because I've felt the same way about my skill set at a at a different point but what I found is that the ability to so none of us can see you know, sort of the dot, where the dots line up in our lives from the inside. It's very hard as people, I think someone has said to me the comment before of like, it's hard to read the label from the inside of the jar. And so, (laughs) and I'm like, that's such a great metaphor because what people like, I think you and I can do for people is to sit down with them, to ask them those meaningful questions, and then to be able to connect the dots a little bit for them. And that's my Mm -hmm. favorite thing to do is like, have a conversation. I actually had like a, a coaching call um, not too long ago with this woman who she's a professional bowler and she's like amazing. And she's had, you know, but she kind of wants to transition her brand away from just bowling into these other things. And she's like, well, I, I've never been anything else besides just like a bowler and known for this. And so I'm like, okay, well, tell me what else you do with your time, you know? And we start going into like how she teaches kids how to bowl and how she loves that and how she volunteers and like, realizing that she really is a teacher above anything else, you know, and, but she's never been able to see herself in that way because she's on the inside of the jar. But, you know, someone being able to step in and ask her those questions. And by the end of the call, she's like, oh my gosh, yes, that is, that's the heart of it. It's what I love to do is, you know, helping people and teaching people and leading them, leading them somewhere. So anyway, you know, I think we can both relate on that being like a really fun part of what we do. Yeah. And it's, I think it's, um, it's like allowing sensitivity and vulnerability and kind of um, whatever that those parts of ourselves into the business that we run and yeah. into because I don't know if it's the same for you but it's like the blend for me of work and life it's too messy it's too messy for me to separate who I am as a person from how I show up in my work because it, it's pretty much all the same thing I'm just a bit less hormonal on <laughs> <when I'm> working. <laughs> oh that is so true <laughs> And actually, now that I think about it, maybe not less hormonal because <laughs> there's a there's a definite uh, up and down to my my monthly newsletters. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, there's one once a week every month when I send yeah. a newsletter, and I'm really grumpy, and people yeah. can guess why. Wow, she was in a bad mood that day. Yes, yes, I was. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's so funny. Um, yeah, and I, I I yeah, there's not enough conversation sometimes around being soulful, being sensitive, being in not intimate in the sense of like you like to do business in an intimate way, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, totally. I I had this moment a couple months back where I was like, you know, I asked people this question on Instagram and I said, what's the one thing that you are most proud of about your personality, but that you are most afraid to reveal to other people? Because I think that that intersection is the heart of where vulnerability and where your brand can exist. And so for me, 
I always have taken pride and really loved about myself that I have these, you know, deep feelings and I feel deep things and I want to talk about deep things. But simultaneously, it's also the thing that I'm most afraid to reveal to people because I'm afraid that it'll freak them out. But so, you know, that, that, um, intersection though, I think is where you're, simultaneously most confident, but then where you also can most differentiate yourself and you can, you you can most create connection because when you, when you are vulnerable, you open yourself up to someone who does resonate having such a deep connection with you because they're like, Oh my gosh, I was afraid to talk about how I like to talk about deep things, but you just did it. And so now I'm connected to you and I, and I want to read your blog and I want to sign up for your newsletter And so like, I always try to think about when I'm talking to people about branding or whatever, I'm like, just, just answer those two questions and see what kind of bubbles up for you. Because I, I'm willing to bet that that's the place where that's your differentiator, you know? It's so funny. It's so funny because I, um, I, if someone says to me like, what's the thing you're most proud of, but you're most self-conscious about is that I wear my heart on my sleeve. Yeah. I and I've oh and I feel I've you know I don't know if it's the same in the states but in like in the UK it's kind of culturally like we want to be tough we want to kind of you know yep. not show our emotions on our face and kind of you know you want to be that girl when someone falls out with you that you just don't care and you don't text them first and all yep. those kind of and I'm not that like if if I'm upset I will go and sit in front of someone tell them all my feelings and just want that vulnerability and I've always been quite I've tried to fight it. And I learned with my business that I'm an oversharer. Yeah. And, and I, that's how what I love to do because I'm so, I, for me, there's so many things when I start my business that I wish I could have read someone else going through the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it feels so, to me, it's also like, it feels, it feels so good to be open and it feels so bad to be closed. And that's just my personality. And so the more, the, you know, the more years I've been doing this and having an online business, um, you know, in the beginning, even if I had tried to hold some things back, I've now learned how much better it feels to just completely open those floodgates. And so you kind of like not get addicted to that feeling, but you love that feeling. Like you love almost like the uncomfortable becomes comfortable in a weird way. Um, And so I completely relate to that. Like I wear my heart on my sleeve too. So it's, we're yet again confirming our (laughs) cross, cross continental doppelganger status. (laughs) It's so, because I always, I'm, I exist in vulnerability. Like that's my comfort zone. That's my level. And, and so, yeah, I, I, and I, and I think that's, there's lots of us who live like this, but we kind of feel like weirdos. Like we're the girls who, when we were kids at sleepovers, like we wanted to talk about really deep things and not about someone's hair. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, you want to talk about what makes me uncomfortable. What makes me uncomfortable is sitting in a room full of people who just want to talk about the weather. Like who just want (laughs) to pretend that we're all not these like complex human beings with deep and meaningful stories and things that have made us cry and things that have made us laugh. Like, no, no, no. We're not going to talk about all that stuff. We're going to talk about like you know, just sports sports or the weather or like, yeah, have you seen that on TV? Like, no, like, let's get to the heart of all these things where all these like beautiful, complicated people walking around and yet we don't share it with each other enough, you know? Yeah, my my best friend when we were 14 years old, he told me, he was like, Jen, talking to you is draining. And I was like, what do do you mean? He was like, like, we go to a weird place. (laughs) And we're we're still best friends to this day. And I tell him that and he just laughs. Because he's like, he's like, it's still true. He's like, you can't talk to me for more than 10 minutes about me telling you something I've never told anyone else in my whole life. (laughs) A hundred percent. That is definitely how people feel sometimes after talking to me. Um, And it's, and it's interesting too, because, you know, it has um, definitely 
not affected, but it has evolved the way that I um, cultivate friendships now that I know this about myself because I have much fewer friends but much deeper connections. And also those friends of mine know that we're, I'm probably not going to call them as often as I would. Like I, I, like my best friend in the world, I talk to her maybe, maybe twice a month. And it's because when we call each other, we go to a weird place. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we're going to talk about all of those things that are going on in our lives. And, and it is a little bit draining after, but it's also like amazingly satisfying because you feel like you've just connected with another human being and you feel like you're really being seen for who you are and you're really being understood. And so that's just kind of a known thing in our friendship is like, okay, we're not going to talk all the time, but when we do talk, it's going to be really meaningful. That's so interesting that you said that. Have you ever done, um, I don't, I, until like a month ago, rolled my eyes at this, but have you ever done your Myers-Briggs personality? Oh, I, Jen, I'm like, Myers-Briggs should pay me to be like an ambassador (laughs) because I, I too like kind of scoffed at it because I think the way that um, it, I viewed it. it was like something that in school or like college and like a career course, they're like, oh, take this test. Well, I was kind of, um, oh, I read the, the book Quiet um, by Susan Cain about being an introvert. And I had always viewed myself as an extrovert. And it wasn't until I viewed her, I read her book that I kind of saw myself and, and really was like, maybe I am an introvert and took this, um, the test. So yeah, I'm obsessed with personality types. And I think that you know, there's room, there's spectrums for, for all of the, the various categories, but I really have found that I, I see myself in a much more, like I understand myself a little bit better now. Uh, I wrote like an entire newsletter about it because I was really obsessed about it when I uh, did it. And, and then I got all these responses back that were like, I'm an INFJ too, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's kind of fun. That's so funny because I'm an INFP. Oh, you are. Um, yeah. And it's so, it's, I, like I read this this thing and I was like oh my god I'm not a freak yeah I was like and it's so my boyfriend's mom is actually a trained like Myers-Briggs professional like she yeah. can and so I was talking to her about it and um because mine basically says like I need I need relationships where you know each other like I get intimate in relationships and then I kind of retreat for a bit and all these kind of it's just so interesting like if anyone listening is feeling like their personality is a little weird definitely just go and honestly do your Myers-Briggs don't lie when you're doing no it'll make you feel so much better and then also because you were saying like oh I found out I wasn't a freak I kind of confirmed that I was because the um INFJs are like something like one person of the population or something which in a weird comforting way it made me feel like this is why I feel different all the time you know like I don't come across as many people who have, you know, this, who kind of see eye to eye on this and that makes sense to me. And so it made me feel less of like, oh, why am I different? And more of like, oh, cool. Like, it's just, I, it's just different. And there are less people out there like that. Um, and then I made my boyfriend do it too, which was like a whole other realm yes. of understanding because we understood now why we get along so well on certain things and then why we see completely, you know, opposite sides of the spectrum on other things. That's so funny. We did exactly this. My one of my clients told me to go and do it with my boyfriend, and we did it. And it was just we both sat there, and it was it helped us say to the other person things that annoy us about the other person that we felt too mean to say. Yeah, exactly. It really just gave you a safe space to be like, "Why can you not just pick up your socks?" And <laughs> I'm saying that because that was him talking to me. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, my boy. He, my boyfriend, is kind of the tidy one, and he gets so upset that I take one t-shirt out the drawer and we share like all our t-shirts are in one drawer and he's like why is the drawer messed up yeah well it's so funny because I found out that like Jason's combination um one thing that is like notable about it is that he is typically the person who 
um, like takes responsibility for things. So like if he sees the trash is full, he'll take it out. Or if he sees the dishes are out, he'll do this. Um, and so in our relationship, he's typically the one that does that kind of stuff. And it's because his brain just registers that like that's, he notices it. Right. And for my personality type, we live so much in the rich world of our heads a lot and our feelings. And we're kind of like, as you and I were talking about before the call started in the zone so much that oftentimes like I won't see a mess. Like I won't see a cup on the counter and think, let me put that away. And it's not that I'm using that as like, you know, an excuse to be a messy person. It just, it helped us understand like why in our relationship, like it helped him understand why I, I don't see those things the same way that he does. And, and then it also tells me, okay, if my brain works this way, I need to work a little bit harder to like go out of my way to notice those things, you know? So it just kind of like gives you a frame of reference to like know certain things about yourself and then to be able to grow. It's so funny. We're literally the same. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I said to you before we started recording today, I was in, I was the machine as I like to call it. Yep. And I didn't eat for literally from 8am till about 4pm. I just didn't eat. And my boyfriend comes home from work and he he sees, you know, the disheveled hair and the clothes that he saw me, he left that he saw me in. And he was like, you haven't eaten, have you? Yeah. And he just and I I don't take the bins out because I will not register that to do right. it. <laughs> it doesn't even occur to your brain because you're living in the world of the zone of what you're doing, and I'm totally the same way. We so we now we live in California and we have like a prepared meal service, partially for the reason that when we were having to make our meals, like we just wouldn't do it. Like we just like wouldn't go do it because we both have online businesses and we always, you know, wanted to, we would be enjoying what we were doing so much. And so now thankfully we have like the prepared meals. So I have like a literally a schedule where I'm like, oh, I need to eat right now (laughs) because if I don't have that, I will just go hungry the entire day. It's it's very refreshing to know that I'm not alone because for a long time I was like I'm just not capable of being an adult. Like I can't. <laughs> I, I forget to feed myself. I f- I once I forgot to feed the cats for the whole day, oh. and he came home, and that was the only time I think he's ever been upset with me because he loves those cats. My yeah. boyfriend's I can't remember which, but he's like the responsible, loyal personality. Yes. yes. And so for him, the cats need to be fed. It it's very important to him. Whereas I'm like, oh, they're fine. They'll they'll be fine for a it day. It sounds like our boyfriends would get along with each other. As well. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny but, but that's, like a, that's another thing I've learned I, I know it's like kind of a silly example with the eating thing but like that is another thing that I've learned probably the, the biggest lesson that I learned last year was like how taking care of myself and taking care of those things though like if if I know that my predisposition is to get into that zone and to work and work and work because I love my work so much I've also found that that's a quick way to get burnt out so the lesson that we kind of, that Jason and I both learned last year was like, we need to intentionally like make space in our brains and in our schedules to really do things that help fuel our body or fuel, like replenish that tank, so to, so to speak. So eating is a, is a, <laughs> a very straightforward <laughs> example of that. But like, you know, taking time off in the middle of the day to go for a hike or be outside, or I've been a lot more intentional about my mornings. Now we live in a, a gorgeous, like, um, nature like the back of our house is basically like almost like a nature preserve it's like two two acres so in the mornings I'll go sit out there and like listen to the birds and just kind of be in nature and start my day at a much slower pace than I used to and that kind of protects me from burnout yeah I'm so glad you brought that up because that was a huge I was as people can probably tell us to why it took me so long to get this podcast back I had such bad burnout last year and I took two weeks off over December and I and I think I'm going to remember those two weeks for the rest of my life yeah. because it's like I reset 
my whole approach to my well-being and work and I'm like a different person now and obviously when you've got like a busy day you kind of get lost in it again but I'm the same like I've been going to bed earlier so I can get up early enough to have at least an hour and a half to myself in the mornings that's amazing yeah and I mean I me and my boyfriend this is so embarrassing we were asleep by 8 p.m the other night oh we're those old people too don't worry we're that (laughs) we're that couple also but it's amazing because you you wake up and you feel good and you feel replenished and you can start the day I've also um started I, I like experiment with my schedule because I like to find kind of what works for me but usually I will so after like reading and doing my coffee and whatever I'll start the day off not with email but with art because that is my therapy. And so, you know, when I do dive into like the quote unquote work part where I'm like, either I'm answering emails or I'm working on a new product or something, I'm in such a good mood because I've done all my favorite things in the morning, you know? And so I'm like, this day is going to be amazing. And so it's just those little shifts that, that frame your whole day. And, and then it puts me in like a very creative place too, where I feel like, you know, I have more ideas because I'm not just like slogging through it. Yeah. You know, it's, I try and I even take that concept to Mondays. So for me, Mondays is a no client day. Yeah. So Mondays, I, I just work on the things I love, which is usually this podcast or my blog content or kind of, or those projects where you give yourself permission to kind of start something and just see where it goes. And if you yeah. hate it, that's okay. And Mondays is my day and I'll reply to emails after about 12 PM, but yeah. it's starting the week off putting, cause I think the hardest thing as a service-based business owner is to make time for your own business. Oh yeah. For me, like last year, I I didn't even have. I just did client, client, clients, and yeah. um, and it, it was great. I learned a lot, but yeah, Mondays is like my special day now when I just get to create and have fun and just. So no, I totally, I totally get you. And I think one of the reasons I really wanted to have you on the show was because. I when I discovered your blog and I read you wrote an awesome post just to kick off the new year about framing your year with thoughtful reduction mm. and you shared how savor was your word for 2015 and kind of you went into how and everything you were saying about it was I was like I want a year like Caroline had oh. that in 2015. It was amazing so if you want to make that your your word I highly recommend it it's a great word for me um, but yeah that was my thought last year just kind of all the things I just shared with you I really in 2014, that was the first year of my business. And I felt all the things that you were kind of saying led to your burnout at the end of last year, where I just, and it was, it was a lot of it was clients. And it's really hard to set boundaries when you're the type of person that wants to go above and beyond for people. And you want to deliver a great product and you want to, to help people and you love that. So it's really hard to create those boundaries for yourself. Um, and that was, I think my biggest weakness, that first year of business is that I just didn't set those boundaries. And so for the following year, I, I, for 2015, I said, my word's going to be saver and it's going to, and I chose it because of all these like, you know, nuggets that are kind of encompassed in that word, which is one of them is like slow down, but you know, to savor something is to like really just slow it down and to enjoy it and to really, you know, have gratitude for the experience of it. And so the way that I approached my work and my life for the entire year was just like, even if everything in my body was saying, this thing is urgent, you have to answer email or you have to do this right now. Cause I, I have a problem with that. I think everything is urgent. I just, I have this like inner pace where I'm like, I want to do all the things and I want them to be done now. Um, so part of it was just saying, even though your body and your brain is going to be having this sense of urgency, it's to intentionally kind of stop that moving train and say, okay, go take a hike instead. Or you know, take a day off instead, or like we talked about, take December off instead. And, and even though, you know, and, and soon you'll learn that you don't have to always be 
running at that pace and that you can run your business um, at a more intentional pace. And that was my biggest lesson that I learned last year. And I ended up being just a happier person. I worked less and I made more. If that, if you can believe that. And that's, that was a big lesson for me is like, my business is not going to fall apart. If I step away from it and take care of myself, it's actually going to thrive because when I come back to it, I'm going to be more creative, more motivated, more, all of these things. I, I, I can so relate to what you said because I, I'm kind of going into this year trying to kind of refusing to go backwards <laughs> and to go yep. to where I was. And it's, it's, it's retraining how your, my brain works around work and retraining how I re- refill my tank. Yeah. And my, my number one rule is like, I love to give my work 100% in the day. But what I was doing was I was emptying the tank and then going to bed for maybe six hours yeah. and then emptying the tank. For, I, I worked a whole month once without taking a single day off and it you can't do that like you have to work and refill your tank as you're working and then at the end of the day if you're going to get back up again the next day for me now it's just looking at it in a different way yeah. and stop seeing rest as something that's taking me away from my work but rest is fueling exactly. my work and, yeah and you said something so interesting that you earned more last year and I can really believe that because what I found is the more I rest the more I have good ideas yeah it's so I have yeah and I last year I didn't create very much for a good month and a half because I didn't have anything in me to create and so exactly. I I can I can totally believe that because the more we rest and the more we make space for it the more I woke up today and I had no client meetings which never happens on a Thursday yeah and I just created in that space of like seven hours like a whole brand new like free email course like I just it That's just amazing. came out of me yeah you were just like I exactly because you were you had it in you because you refueled that tank and I think like you said the thing that I that I do know is that it never becomes easier. Like it never becomes second nature to just, you know, wake up and like have this this balance of sorts, but it's yeah. <laughs> but it's always like a very conscious recalibration. So you're just like, okay, you know, and I, I think what what a, a lesson like a burnout teaches you is just to recalibrate on a much more frequent basis and to be like, okay, I'm not gonna wait you know, I'm not going to work my, my butt off for an entire month or two months and wait till I get to that terrible place in order to recalibrate. I'm going to check in with myself every day or every week or whatever it is and say, is this working? Is the way that I'm living and working together, you know, serving me? And is it not, if it isn't, then maybe I need to try something new or whatever. And it's just like recalibrating on a more regular basis, I think is really helpful. Yeah. And I think I, I have a feeling it may be the same for you. I feel very lucky that I have a partner in my life who not only holds the same values for the life we want to live together, but also um, reminds me to rest. Yes. And, yes. And he, and because, and I think that is like, well, he reminds me to eat. But, <laughs> He's but, really actually keeping you alive now that we think about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He does my laundry. I'm like very spoiled. So if am it, I. It, so am I. You and me, you and me both. <laughs> And it's so funny because I, 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 for me, what I don't know if you, maybe it's different for you because it's not client based for you, but I've realized this year going into it is I've had to map out my time off in advance because I didn't do that last year. Mm-hmm. So I never had time off. Right. Whereas this year, like going into January, I've been very lucky that I only had three weeks of work before I knew we were going away for a week. So in my head, I was like, just try out a new routine for three weeks, then yep. go away and prove, like, show yourself 
you can have a nice life your business isn't going to fall apart and then come back and just it's it's waking up every day and forgiving yourself every time you don't make the right decision right absolutely and I think another thing for anyone listening like that I think people forget that you can do this you don't have to take time off for travel also like if you have a client-based business or even if you don't putting time on your calendar for one day a month that is going to be just for rest or just so that you can like whatever that 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 recharging time is, whether it's like, I want to stay in bed all day and like binge watch Netflix. Fine. (laughs) I want to be outside. I want to go try a new thing, whatever those like things are that refill your tank and just telling your clients, Hey, I'm going to be off or I'm going to be gone this day. Like we forget that when we own our own businesses, we get to make those rules. But like you said, if you don't put it on the calendar, you won't protect that boundary. So I think it's important to block out that time. And I wrote, um, my, um, newsletter this past week just about time in general and one thing that I lesson I learned that I wanted to share with people was that you know and and it kind of relates to the the Netflix thing but it's like if it's intentional time it's not wasted time so Mm. I used to feel really guilty about like watching tv or um reading my book or whatever it was and because I was like oh this isn't this isn't going towards anything you know, concrete in my business. But the truth is if I'm doing it intentionally in order to recharge my batteries, or even if I'm doing it intentionally to, to stop thinking, like, you know, (laughs) if I feel like I've just been thinking all day and my brain's going to explode, that's what TV is for me. It's a thing where I can shut off my brain or I go to a movie so I can just kind of be outside of myself and experience something not in my head for a while. And if I'm doing that in an intentional way, I definitely don't think that's wasted time. And I love that you said um, the movies because when I'm, whenever I'm in intense burnout, the only sometimes the only thing that can fix me is going to the cinemas, and just because it's so immersive. It's immersive. <laughs> it's my favorite thing. Jason and I go to um, our like favorite kind of like indulgence of being entrepreneurs is going to a Monday afternoon movie. So like we'll go to like a a three o'clock or an 11 o'clock on a Monday movie and there's no one in the theater and we're just like, ha, we're tricking the world right now. It's so great. <laughs> it's those little things that you know you couldn't do yeah. if you had that kind of traditional life. It's that I love, I go into cinemas on a Friday night or a weekend. I'm just, I don't, I try not leave. I live in a city center. So you never find me leaving the flat on the weekend because all the crazies are out. Oh God. And I'm, I'll, I will go and do my shopping at, you know, 2 p.m. On, we yeah. went to do our food shopping at 2 p.m. on a Monday and it, the supermarket was full of old people and it was, oh, yeah. we felt we felt like we'd come home. Yeah, exactly. It's Yeah, I have like the suburban equivalent of that where it's like if I save my shopping trip till the weekend, it's like all of the like soccer moms are in Target and they're getting aggressive with their carts and I'm like, <laughs> I, I can't handle what's going on right now. So <laughs> I definitely shop on the off hours. But yeah, it's just about, I think like you said, like really um, – taking time to enjoy that flexibility that we all work so hard to to maintain you know and defining our own it's so funny how many people leave the nine to five and then stay in the nine like they stay in the nine to five mindset like yeah. they try and fill their 48 40 hour work week yeah and they're like oh, I have to get up for nine and work till five and it's it's yeah it's giving yourself more freedom and for me right now because I am in the middle of figuring this out Mm -hmm. for me it's just forgiveness it's just Mm -hmm. it's losing the concept that balance is everything being in order at one place because it's not like last week last week I was able to rest and do really good work but I wasn't able to call my mum back for the whole week because and I felt awful but she understands but for me that was what I chose to give up whereas this week I'm going to see my mum this weekend because for me totally agree and I totally relate and actually it's so funny you say that because my mom just texted me yesterday she she has learned by now so she just texted me and just said would love to hear from you talk to you soon love you (laughs) 
she gets it. She didn't call me. She just was like, I know you're in the zone right now, but you're totally right. And it's, um, you know, one thing that Jason and I say to each other is that, and it's how we view our lives and it's how we view our business, but that it's all an experiment. And so Mm. viewing it in that way, that it's just something to try. And, you know, if it, if it fails or if it succeeds, whatever, then you can try again is really liberating because it also applies to work-life balance. It's like, okay, if you kind of just say like this week, I'm going to try this and and here's where my values and my priorities are this week. And if I get the to the end of that week and hey, you know, I didn't call my mom back. Like I'm just, you know, that's a learning, that's a lesson I'm going to take forward into next week's experiment. And I'm going to try to make that kind of reshifting your priorities and doing that recalibration we talked about. It's like actively paying, it's like choosing to live your life instead of just living on autopilot. Like yes. that's, I felt like it's like I lived on autopilot last year because I was just surviving. Whereas this year... I sit down every night and I plan out the next day like not in some I just kind of put down what my priorities are with work and life yeah but I treat my life priorities now as important as my like they they are to be ticked off as much as you know email this person absolutely yeah intention is just the biggest thing in the world because just like you said that's when you get to exercise control over your life and you get to wink, make it happen instead of letting (laughs) life happen to you. You know, I think that's the big thing about it. And I also, I think that comes down to, especially for people like us who work for ourselves, that's what we want. Like, and and I think it all comes down to freedom of expression of time, freedom of so many things. And so, yeah. And I, and I think the burnout, I think for a lot of us, we have to burn out to then overcome it. Absolutely. And then what's great is that you have you have that memory to use as fuel and to c- compare it to like, you know, when you're getting to that place and you know what you don't, where you don't want to be. You know, I think everyone has yeah. to experience it so that they at least have that, like, you know, that muscle memory of like, okay, I remember what it felt like to be at the end of my rope that way. And I don't want to get there anymore. So you have something very real and, and a tangible experience to compare compare it to in your head when you're working at a certain pace and you're like, okay, I don't want to go back to that place that I was. So when you don't have that, it's sort of like, you don't know what you're trying to avoid. (laughs) Yeah. And the one good thing for me that came out of burnout is that it showed me that I was capable of more than I knew. It just showed me that I wasn't willing to sacrifice what I sacrificed for growth in business. And but So my question this year is, okay, how can I still have my highest level of contribution to the world with my work, but while also being of service to myself? Yeah. And I have to believe that it's possible. It is possible. Because I'll tell you, 2015 was that for me. And if you told me at the beginning of the year that it was going to go that way, I would have been uncertain. But I let me just tell you, from being in the trenches, it is totally possible. You can be your best self and do your best work, and and it's it's possible. Well, that is the most encouraging thing to hear. And, and <laughs> it's, it's, it sounds like your 2015 was good. Well, amazing. Um, I read your post about your word for 2016, which was great. Um, yes. Yes. And I loved I loved it. And I guess, um, yeah, what does that mean for you this year? And yeah, how can other people listening kind of embrace that mindset too? Definitely. So I, the word curate, again, I, I love choosing these words that have like all these layers to them. And I see it as sort of an extension of savor in that now I've kind of learned to, to walk away, to have my own pace. I've learned to exercise control over my time. And now for me in 2016, curate is about taking that learning and, and doing something with it, which is focus. So this idea of what I call thoughtful reduction is about 
just doing less but better things. And I, I read a book at the end of last year called Essentialism, which I would highly, highly, highly recommend to everyone listening. Um, and it's just, you know, the author, Greg, talks about this idea of less but better and really applying that to all aspects of your life. So if it comes, if it comes down to your possessions, so it's like buying less but better things, you know, or if it's um, talking about um, whittling down your relationships just to the ones that really mean the most to you so that you can have less of them, but that you can really make those relationships better. And it's about the idea that when you, when you try to invest yourself or your time or your energy into like all of these different things, you're only going to be able to progress, you know, an inch maybe across 30 different things. But if you took those 30 things down to three things, you could go, you know, three miles within each of those. And so it's just the idea of focusing your efforts to go further or deeper or farther in, in different things. So for me, that applies to my business. It applies, I'm going to do less projects, but I'm going to try to really invest in those projects more and to really um, invest in my community more, my community online, not my local community. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say I'm going to be volunteering or anything like that. As much as I think that's a wonderful thing, I'm just not going to commit to that. <laughs> um, and so that's that. That's time. It's like, I already mentioned the relationships one. I want to really dive down further into the, the small number of like friendships that I have and invest in those. Um, and it's about my things. Like Jason and I have been sort of on this journey to minimalism over the past few years. We, um, there's a great website called theminimalists.com and it's, uh, two friends of ours that we met at a conference through like three years ago. And we heard them speak about this idea of minimalism. And it's not what you, I think would traditionally think of like walking into someone's house and they have one piece of furniture and it's just like a pillow in the middle of an empty room, <laughs> but it's just about the idea of being intentional about the things that you buy and only consuming things. And I think that goes for not just like purchasing things, but also consuming information or watching TV shows or whatever that consumption word means. Um, only consuming things that bring value to your life. And really, whenever you are consuming, of asking yourself, does this add value? And so we've kind of been on this journey. I mean, I sold like 90% of my wardrobe um, a few years ago. And so now I I still have, you know, plenty of clothes, but it's just that I love everything in my closet now. And there are no clothes that I have had for five years where I pick it up and I'm like, oh, maybe I'll wear that one day. It's because that doesn't add value to my life. Things that add value are things that I love and that I, I love looking at my closet and getting dressed every day because I have things that I, you know, really enjoy. And so it's like adding that mentality to every aspect of my life it's so funny I'm in the middle of reading essentialism right now you are yeah and I and I and I well I've got the the minimalist podcast ready to listen to I love their stuff um, mm -hmm. I'm, um so I'm I'm like halfway there and in like essentialism I think is probably going to be that book that changes my life like I was yeah. 10 pages in and I was like yeah because the thing I'm taking away from it right now is what he was saying about um, trade-offs of opportunities oh yeah and when someone kind of puts an opportunity and we're all supposed to be like oh it could be a good opportunity we should take it but really if this wasn't put in front of me would I take it yeah how hard would I work for this so that is empowering me to say no but and I'm and I'm totally with you with the I I don't want a lot of things I want I mean it's so cliche to say I want experiences but really mm -hmm. I just want happiness yeah. And, yeah. And I was the girl who got into debt at 19 years old because she thought clothes would make her happy. 
And I, so I'm, yeah, I'm, anyone listening, if you haven't read Essentialism already, go and read it. Um, It's It's hugely influential. And I love that he, these little like mental constructs that he talks about in the book that just allow you to like be mindful about it throughout your day. So Mm -hmm. just that phrase, less but better. I, I think of that every day, you know, how am I doing less but better things? So, um, yeah, it's a great book. And same, same with us, like Jason and I were both in debt, um, in 2014. And that was when we really made a shift to cut down on our expenses and really change our, our purchasing habits and be more mindful about the way that we spend money. And, um, we are on pace this year. We will have paid off over a hundred thousand dollars in debt this year. That is amazing. Yeah. And most of that was business debt from Jason's past business. Just so you guys don't think I spent like a hundred thousand dollars on clothes. (laughs) But it was, it was, it was student loans and it was business debt, but it was also credit card debt. And some of those were material things that we purchased that we didn't have money for. And so that number seemed insurmountable at the time. But once we had a plan in place and got to kind of take control back of that, um, it was the most liberating, amazing feeling. And now like we just actually, we have a weekly budget meeting just to look at our finances. And, um, we had it yesterday and we were like, oh my gosh, like I cannot believe we are going to pay this off this year because it felt like that mountain was impossible to climb. But it's only a year and a half later, and we're we're there. I'm also going to laugh because we have we we sit down at least once a week to talk about a budget. Too. Oh my gosh, stop it! Because <laughs> I to I'm, the point I'm, where I'm like, am I like, am I also living in the UK right now? I don't know. <laughs> but the funny thing is, though, even though my boyfriend Alex is the more organized one, I manage our budget because I'm a, I'm a bit of a I'm a bit weird with money. I like I like to see what's going on, and I Me sit him too. I sit him down every week, and I'm like, okay, this is what's going on this week, and this is how much we have to like play around with. And what I found was, so before before like this time last year, we were in debt, and then we got out of debt, and then the only debts we have left are our student loans. But it's weird in the UK; it's not as a bit, student loan debt is never as big of a deal as it is, in, it seems to people in the US. Uh-huh. I think because of how the government treat it for us. Even though when I look at how much I've got to pay back each year, it doesn't feel fun. But yeah. um, <laughs> but when we got out of debt, and then my I had this business, and the best thing about being in a business is that you control your own income. No one's telling you how much or how little you can earn. So we found ourselves exactly <laughs> we found ourselves with more disposable income than we ever had. And what we found yep. ourselves doing was therefore spending more than we ever had. And it wasn't really right. making us very happy. It, we were, were happy people, but we were kind of shopping as a for fun. Like, yeah. it was like, oh, I'm bored. I've had a long day. Oh, let's go buy a candle. And yeah, yeah. we were not becoming the people we wanted to be. So I, we literally scrapped our budget. We built a new budget with like literally just living on the minimum and then just having this disposable income to, you know, get like maybe go out for, for a meal now and again and go to yep. cinemas because that's our favorite but I'd much rather put my money away to go on big travel trips or to retire one day yeah. <laughs> or yeah. to you know maybe look after my parents when they get old and I don't know like it's yeah um seeing being intentional with money I feel like for me that for some reason money affects my whole life in just how I approach it and how I, so I'm totally with you on that and essentially yeah. get less but better in everything in business like totally in terms of content in terms of how many launches in terms of how absolutely. many people you need on your list absolutely oh that's a big one big one because I'm a huge believer in the fact of like you don't need I mean there are all of these blogs out there and all of these businesses out there telling you you need x amount of people thousands of people on your list so you need this and I've just always focused on my growing my list very slowly but intentionally and making sure that those people are gonna stick around and I've had 
I have an inordinately high number of people who have stuck around from my like first few weeks mm. of newsletters back in 2014. So I've done a weekly newsletter every week. So I'm on my like two, 102nd or something like that. And so there's a very high number of people who have stuck around throughout almost all of those because I was very authentic in the way that I did it in the very beginning when I was talking to literally 50 people. Yeah, and yeah. I still write the same way. You so. did. <laughs> I deleted 700 people off my list a couple of months ago. Oh, feels feels good. <laughs> yeah, well, they hadn't, they hadn't opened in 10 emails. Yeah. And I was like, number one, I'm paying for you. Thank you, MailChimp. Yeah. And number two, like, I'm, yeah, for me, I, and then it looked like my list was like, I was like, is this all I've done this year with this list? But I didn't care because I only want people who... I can speak to and who I can connect with because I'm 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 a un- I'm not for everyone like we're not for everyone yeah I love I love your approach to 2016 and um I'm excited for you it sounds like it's going to be a really interesting year and I'm going to keep up to date with your email and see how you're doing and definitely for anyone listening who feels like they're in that place where the burnout go and read Caroline's blog because I think it's going to really give you permission to move forward without feeling like you have to hustle all the time oh. Yeah, that is definitely a recurring theme in a lot of my messaging. It's like, because I still fall into that trap every now and again, where I, you know, I get zeroed in on, on an idea and I'm just working myself to the bone, but usually I figure that out and then I report back on that to people. So if you want someone who is honest about that and about, um, you know, the fact that you don't always have to maximize your earning potential and that you can actually maximize your life potential (laughs) and that that should be the bigger uh goal then that's a lot of what I write about (laughs) and so I have three questions that I'm going to be asking everyone at the end of every episode so number one what are you hoping to make happen this year the biggest thing right now is um I really really want to double down on the creative part of my business so that means I'm doing this daily project where I share um, an abstract piece of art on Instagram every day with a positive message and and a positive message or like an insight that I'm learning in my life. And so in terms of, you know, that's what I want to make happen in my business. I want to, you know, follow through on that project. But in the bigger picture of that, I think I just want to to reach more people um, and encourage them to exercise their freedom with their creativity because that has been the biggest therapy of all for me. And, and I find that when I'm creating is when I'm learning the most about myself. And so I've had amazing people email in and say like they've taken my hand lettering course or they've read some of my um, stuff on Instagram and that it's given them permission to be creative in their own lives. So I think in general, I just want to reach more people with that message. That's awesome. And for anyone listening, what is the biggest advice you would give to them if they're working hard to make things happen, where big things happen with their creativity and their work and their life? Yeah. So the biggest thing that I've learned over the past year or so, um, and Jason and I talk about this a lot, is that I really, I, without sounding too grandiose, I really think that I've discovered the formula to uh, just building an audience and online business. And I think that that formula is authenticity and cons- consistency. So if you're doing those two things, if you're sharing honestly, if you're being yourself, if you're talking about what you believe and you're living your own values um, and you're sharing that with your audience, that to me is authenticity. It's aligning who you are with what you do. And then if you're doing that in some sort of consistent way, so whether it's a weekly newsletter or it's, you know, it's emails to your audience or it's posting online or, you know, doing a webinar a week, having that consistent effort 
So it's kind of like part inspiration, part just putting in the work. But I think that when you combine those two things, it's, it's virtually impossible for someone to fail. I really believe that. So, you know, some people are really good at one and, and then maybe they're not as good at like, maybe someone's good at sharing themselves authentically, but then they can't, they can't stick to a consistent schedule. So their audience isn't really sticking around because they're, they don't trust that, that, that they're going to be there to share. Or the other side, maybe someone's really good at being consistent, but they're just putting out content that doesn't have heart and that doesn't resonate with people on a deeper level. But I think when you can get both of those, um, that's the biggest advice I would tell to anyone is find a way to share authentically and consistently. I could not agree with that more. That's perfect. (laughs) Yay. Oh, thanks, Jen. (laughs) I always, I have this question that I, um, when people are like, they're they're doing the consistent, but they're struggling to be authentic. I always say, are you creating to fill space or are you creating to share good ideas? And honestly, and you've got to be able you've got to create consistently, but you've got to be sharing good ideas. It's, it's like he says in Essentialism, um, you, some people build great companies and some people build great ideas. And I think yeah. to build great ideas, you need consistency and authenticity. So absolutely, I love that. And the last question is, how can anyone listening get involved with what you do and support you online and kind of just enjoy everything you and Made Vibrant have to offer? Yeah. So I would say the main place, two main places, I would love for anyone listening, if you kind of want more of, of what I'm about and what I'm doing to go to madevibrant.com slash newsletter and sign up for my weekly newsletter. I send it on Mondays and it's usually just what I'm going through in my life, what lesson I've learned the past week. Um, and talking about that intentional thing. So giving you an intention to kind of focus on in your week. And then, um, also, I'm on Instagram a lot. So on Instagram, you can find me at C-K-E-L-S-O, C-Kelso. Kelso is my middle name. So, And that's where I'm sharing that daily um, abstract affirmations project. So that's another way that you, if you want sort of just a positive message and a bright and colorful art piece in your feed every day, that's another great place to find me. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. This is this has been such a fun episode to record. Thank you. I'm so glad I got to have a conversation with myself for an hour. <laughs> Just kidding, but it really is fantastic to um, have a great conversation with someone who you know we share a lot of the same values, and I love what you're doing. And I can't wait to listen to the other um, interviewees on the podcast. And there we have it, the first episode of season two of the Make It Happen podcast. Head over to makeithappenpodcast.com for all of the show notes from today's episode and make sure you subscribe via iTunes and email so you can have first access to the first mini episode that's going to be going live next Monday. Until then, we can connect more over on Twitter. I'm at Jen underscore Carrington. And you can also head on over to jencarrington.com to dig into even more content and resources for awesome creatives just like you. Thank you so much for listening today. And here's to making things happen on our own terms in our own way and by our own rules.